Best Days podcast listeners. Today we have a special episode for you, which is why you're seeing the reverse of our office where we usually film. Um, This is episode nine of season three, and uh, we're very excited because back in February of 2022, Pastor John and I had the chance to share at midweek here at Victory. And so it was on Pastor John's heart, and I fully agree with him that he wanted to share this message on our podcast as a podcast episode as it intertwines a lot with the sort of things we talk about on this podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Midweek at Victory. That is awesome. Well, hey, like Brian said, my best days are right in front of me. My name is John. My name is Arvin. And we are here tonight, and we are excited to be with you at Midweek. You guys, okay. I'm like, you guys drove through snow. You might as well act excited. Um, So anyways... One thing that we love to do here at Victory, just like Brian was talking about, is we say our confession because we believe that you can't live a positive life with a negative mouth. So everyone stand up on your feet. If it is your very first time here, or maybe you're just joining us, or you are here online, welcome. We are so grateful that you decided to join us tonight, and we're going to say this confession together. All right, but don't interlock fingers with No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) On the count of three, one, two, three. I'm I'm here here on on purpose. purpose. Because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. And I have victory in my life. Because Jesus lives in me. All right. Give your neighbor a high five or punch him. Do one or the other. Yeah. We are so grateful to be here at Midweek. Honored. Yes. I am, okay, so my name is John. I work as the creative pastor. My name is Arvin. I'm John's assistant. But also more than that. Yeah, well, we get to work together a lot on a lot of good things. Are we friends? Best friends. Best. So anyways, <laughs> if we weren't, then it would, it's gonna, it's gonna go so down really You'll quick. You'll find out tonight. Yeah, so it may be a meltdown in front of everyone, but um, <laughs> I'm just this kidding. This is how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tonight we are actually gonna start off with the word of God. Are you ready? Come on. All right, so we are going to pray. We'll go through the scripture. I'm sorry, we'll go through the scripture. We'll pray and we'll go through the points tonight. And we just want to pray that you don't hear anything that we say. Right. You actually look in the scripture and you find what God is trying to say to you. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So y'all can forget what we say. Good. But we pray that the revelation hits you upside the head. Come on. <laughs> All right. So. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 3, 9. Love it. Come on. Those watching online, you can also open up or open up another tab and begin to interact with us on, yeah, split screen, Um, but chat it up with us. All right. So, Arvin, go ahead. Begin to read. You want a popcorn back and forth? Um, uh, For sure. I love popcorn. Okay. I'll read the first section. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, starting in the second part of the verse, it says, you are God's building. Everybody say, I am. I am. God's building. God's building. Okay, that's a good story. Because okay. of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. Who? Others are okay. building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. Why? For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Wait, who laid this foundation? Jesus Christ. Okay, Okay. continue, please. Okay. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. It's a lot of materials. That's right. But on the judgment day, 
Fire will reveal. Fire will do what? Reveal. Okay. What kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show. The fire will what? Show if a person's work has any value. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word, that it is alive. We thank you, Jesus, that whoever came in here tonight, whoever is tuning in online, we thank you, Lord, that as they are looking at the scripture, that you speak to them right where they're at with whatever they're believing for, whether it is they're believing for a miracle or maybe they're going through a very difficult season in their life, that they see this and you speak to them, to their spirit, to their mind, even those who maybe are doubting you and they were dragged here or they just decided to watch for just a few minutes online. You are here for those individuals as well. So God, we appreciate what your Holy Spirit is gonna do tonight. We give you thanks in advance for what you're gonna speak to us. And everybody said... Amen. All right, everybody say, um, this is, okay, uh, hold on, before you say that, don't repeat. So, everybody say, build this house. Build this house. In me. In me. Okay, build this house in me. So, we are in a building campaign, but before God can build something outside, he has to first build it on the inside, for sure. So, what's tough is the world looks at what we were building on the outside, but how many of you guys know that businesses, people, even people in our own family, maybe yourself, you have crumbled on the inside even though the outside has looked great. Mm. So tonight, with this scripture and this passage, we're looking at God build this house in me first before I try to build other things or add more things. So God is gonna do that through three different things that, I mean, he does it through a lot of different things, but tonight we are gonna focus on the foundation, the structure, and the keys. The foundation, the structure, and the keys. And so the very first thing with this, with build this house with me, at the very end of that, it says, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done, and the fire will also show if this has any value. So at the end, when everything is burned up, whatever is left, God's like, that's the stuff, that's you. I remember, so, okay, I actually may need you for this. I, I can help. Okay, okay, okay. Help. So, um, Pastor Paul is my brother, Pastor Paul and Ashley. Let's give it up for our amazing pastors. Also, we are wearing Encounter merch. This is a woman's thing that is happening this weekend. <laughs> right? So, man counter. Just because we can't be there doesn't mean you shouldn't be. Ladies. That's right. Yeah. And, and what does it say? It says, encouraged in heart. I'm reading upside down. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. And united in love. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't? Even men want even that. Even men need it. We really do. Okay. So, anyways. We are just saying, this is our plug. So, Go to Encounter, ladies, men, buy the merch, okay? That's right, yeah. <laughs> for your ladies, or for you, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. These are great colors. These look really good. Yeah, they're good. All right, so that's our plug. So let's jump back in. <laughs> you guys have heard Pastor Paul's story of the house fire. So whenever we were in second grade, whenever I was in second grade, Paul was in first grade, my sisters were older, we had a house fire. That night, my parents had Richard and Lindsay Roberts over to eat dinner. So Richard and Lindsay Roberts, they were um, the presidents of Oral Roberts University at the time. They came over and they ate dinner. And that night, I'll never forget it, they gifted us with Mickey Mouse shirts. I have no idea why, I just remember it. So these Mickey Mouse shirts were double XL. And so we're like, okay, we'll wear them as a night shirt. That night, it was a miracle. And this is actually an intense story. But what I've realized is that everything is funny in life eventually, eventually. Yeah. even the tough things. <laughs> so even the tough things, even, even the awful things, 
there's usually something funny that happens in the middle of it. And if you have the right perspective, God's like, hey, chew the meat, spit out the bone, take what's good, anything else that is bad, do away with it. So <laughs> in this story that Pastor Paul has shared is that some of you guys maybe have heard this, some of you maybe haven't, those watching online, but a house, our home, caught on fire at around 2 a.m. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, my dad woke up and there was a fire alarm that was going off. And he said, there's a fire, there's a fire. And he started screaming and he started running through the house. And so me and my mom and my sister, Sarah, my oldest, we, we rushed out and we, and we rushed out. And what we saw is we looked at our house and I'll never forget it. It was like tongues of fire that burst out of the windows. And like my mom used the term licked the ground. I don't like that term. But anyways, the fire flames <laughs> bursted out of the windows. And then my, we're all sitting there and my mom just goes, Billy Joe, where is Ruthie? That's my other sister. And he goes, ah. So he runs in. He grabs Ruthie. They get out and she goes, Billy Joe, where is Paul? That's my brother. That's Pastor Paul. He's the pastor of this church. So anyways, he runs back in. He grabs Paul, we get out, and all of a sudden, like parts of our house just start to fall apart. It was a miracle of God. It was amazing. We were saved from the fire. But I remember just being there, and my dad, we're standing on the other side. Now, my dad, his contacts melted to his eyes. Mm. He was blind for a few days. They had to take him to the hospital. Before we took him to the hospital, the IMSA arrived with body bags because they said, this fire is so bad, we came to carry bodies out. And so my dad just goes, guys, let's come on over here. And we walked across the street as police and fire trucks and all these people were there. And he just goes, let's just begin to praise God that we're alive. And I was like, and they're all praising God. And I was like, all of my toys are gone. All of, yeah, I'm the only one who's being honest. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, that, like, everyone is like, we survived. And I was like, but what about my stuff? <laughs> and so anyways, of course, I am a child, so I was a brat on purpose, okay? Um, so through that, I remember standing there, and <laughs> the whole time, all I had on was that Mickey Mouse shirt. <laughs> then... So, so then, Arvin, come here. Yeah. So then my dad was always ready to preach in season and out of season. He was a man of God. I absolutely learned so much from the Bible from my dad. And so the news showed up and the news said, and the news were like, you're the pastor of victory. What happened? And they give him the mic. So you're my dad. Sure. Okay. So uh, Marie, can we zoom in on Arvin Make, and like keep that as, can you zoom in on him? Yep. Come on. All right, right there. So anyways, he is talking and he was just like, mm -hmm. and he was like, and I, we, were, we were rescued from the fire and many of you may be suffering a fire in your life, but God wants to rescue. And he is preaching on mm. all of a sudden, my mom across the street, she goes, John, now here's the thing. All I had on under the shirt was whitey tidies. Okay. I don't mean to give you a bad mental, but so my dad on the news is yeah. talking and all of a sudden my mom goes, John, get over here. And I go like this. <laughs> and for 10 seconds, all right, go ahead. For 10 seconds, I run across like Bigfoot. Like I run 
and I just pose right here, and I'm just in a shirt, and, and we're in, and we don't see it until we are in the hospital waiting for my dad, and my grandma is sitting there, and she goes, oh, your dad's on the news. And my whole family's watching that, and other people of the church have come there, and we're sitting there in the waiting room, and I see me in my undies on the news in the background. And I sit there, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And my sister Sarah, she's like, you're in your underwear on the news. And I was like, oh. Anyways, at the end of the fire, we <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it was, um, there's nothing to that story. That has nothing to do with anything. But at the end, at the end, sometimes, whenever everything is burned up, all you got left is that and you feel embarrassed. And I remember whenever we were worshiping God on our, on our front yard after that happened, everything that was left after the fire, that was the only thing that mattered. It was our family and it was our worship. And through that, God actually built greater things in our lives. And so maybe some of you have come in here and you've been through fires and fires have kind of revealed and you felt embarrassed. You've been like, man, I just got, with my, I just got caught with my pants down. You know what I mean? Allegorically, maybe not literally. Hopefully but not. in that, hopefully not. Yeah. But in that, you've seen God build things in your life after the fire when everything else has left you. What God builds with. So as we look at this, the very first thing that we want to hit on is the foundation, what was left after that house burned down was its foundation. The foundation is the most important, most private, and it takes the longest. The foundation of your life is the most important, most private, and it takes the longest. Certain things that you are wondering, why is this taking so long? It could be a mindset. It could be a family. It could be a business that you're trying to build. It could be something that you believe that God has put on your heart to do. And you go, why is this taking so long? It's because God wants it to last longer than you could imagine. And so foundation takes longer than you thought, but it's so that it will last longer than you can imagine. What we're doing with and what one thing that victory really believes in is legacy generations is that you're not just building for you you're building for who comes after and so your foundation is so important we know that the cityplex towers mm-hmm. Tell them. Absolutely, yeah. If any skyscraper, including those, is going to be built, you almost have to go all the way down as far into the ground as you are gonna go up high in the sky. Very good. So in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, you are God's building. Everybody say, I am God's building. I'm God's building. Because of God's grace to me, who's laid the foundation? God has laid the foundation like an expert builder. It's unique how some people pretend to be the expert builder over God. Anyways, well, let's keep going. Others are building on it, so not just God. Other people are. Other people in your life. Okay, let's continue. Whoever is building on this foundation must be careful. That means that there are some people in your life trying to build things on you that are not of God. I'm just wanting us to look at scripture and see what it's saying. And I'm wanting you to look at your current life and be like, what is being built that I have not been careful about, okay? For no one can lay any foundation, no one. So your foundation is? Jesus Christ. Is Jesus Christ. It is your identity, other than the one we already have. Arvin, tell us about you know, one of the greatest storytellers of all time, right. how his foundation was laid. It only makes sense that uh, if our foundation is Jesus Christ, that we ask the question about Jesus's foundation. So if you look at, the wilderness season in Jesus' life, 
It's in Luke chapter four. It's in Matthew chapter four. Jesus is sent and led by the Holy Spirit. Wait, he didn't choose to go? No, he didn't choose it, and it wasn't a punishment, but the Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be alone and to draw on and be tempted by the, the excuse me, the, tempted by the devil so that he could then be tested and prove he's ready for the ministry God's empowering him to do. So what happens is Jesus learns lessons that establish his identity as who he is as God's son before he ever accomplishes any miracles. Why is that? It's so that when those miracles do happen in the next chapters and the rest of his ministry, he can steward them correctly. Let me give you an example. At one point, the enemy comes to him and says, hey, you have the power to make anything you want. Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Jesus says, no, I'm not gonna do that because I'm not going to manipulate my God-given gift in order to take care of something for myself unless I hear about it from God first. That's important because the moment he comes out of the wilderness season, he goes into a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and he turns water into wine, and it says after he did that, everyone wanted to follow him, Ooh. but it said he wasn't willing to have them follow him because he knew the motive of their heart was, we want to follow you because you can do things for us. It says no one had to instruct him or inform him about what mankind was like. He didn't trust them blindly because he learned his identity in the wilderness as his foundation. That's really good. Arvin, and so, mm -hmm. like, one of the things that Arvin said was, before wonders came the wilderness. Some people want the wonders without the wilderness. But the thing is, is that if that were to happen, then it is very easy to be pulled by the heart of man. Mm to be consumed and to be pulled. And all of a sudden, now my foundation is, wait, they're saying that I'm doing all of these great things. And my foundation begins being built by things that are not being careful. So his foundation was being built in the wilderness. And what I love is that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness first. And then all throughout the Bible, after Jesus did something really great and really big, it says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness. The first time the Holy Spirit sent him, after that, he decided to go back. Why is that? Because he wanted to be reminded of his identity in Christ, in God, not just in what people thought of him. So many times in our life, we actually pray against the wilderness season, but it's the very thing that's building your foundation. Because in that, it was like you were stripped of all of your humanity. It was stripped of everything. And whenever he was at his weakest is when the devil came. And the great thing is, is that Jesus did that for us in the wilderness. So he actually is our forerunner, our trailblazer, to prove that, wait, in the wilderness, I actually can have a foundation laid. And it says that he often withdrew because it was like many times... Sometimes when things are going great, how many is, how many is prayer, how many of you, your prayer life is always increased when you're going through a tough time? Mm. Yeah, right? I know, like I'm definitely guilty of that. I'm guilty of being like, all right, I gotta start praying because I'm going through a tough thing. You know <laughs> what I'm saying, right? But my goal, I know for me as an individual, my goal is that I often withdrew, that I often will go back to the wilderness. I wanna go back to where I was built. Some of you, you may be in a wilderness right now, and I wanna ask you, 
What is God, what foundation is God laying? I wanna encourage you to write that down. I wanna encourage you to write down what he's building so that way a year from now, we're gonna be here on a Wednesday night in 2023 and it's gonna maybe be snowing. With Tulsa, it may be 100 degrees in February. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> but when you look back and you go, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna withdraw back to the wilderness to remind myself of the foundation that Jesus is laying. Now, another thing that's unique about this <clears throat> is that Jesus didn't change the wilderness. Does that make sense? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, yeah. pushed him to the wilderness. Yeah. This dude is God. If anything, he can change the wilderness. He created it. Why didn't he change the wilderness? Because God was actually moving to change him. Many of us, you get to a point and you go, God, would you please change this person? Would you please change this job? Would you please change this situation? And God's saying, I'm actually trying to change you. I'm trying to use the very thing you want to get rid of to actually change you into the thing that you need to be in order to go into the next season of your life. So I'm actually waiting on you. You're not waiting on me. And it always takes longer than you thought. And this is what I want to encourage you before we go to the next point is don't rush something that you want to last forever. You can't rush something that you want to last forever. Think about whatever you're building. For me, you know, like there's things that we are doing with work, but also with my kids. And there's things that I'm like, ah, I just wish things would happen quicker. But I, my goal is timeless over trendy. Mm -hmm. People run to trendy, but they always return to timeless. So whatever you build, build it timeless. But that only way it can be done is on the foundation. So don't rush something that you want to last forever. Some of you, it may be a relationship. Some of you, it may be a business or a dream that God is working on. And then now we move to the second part, which is structure. Stru Everybody say structure. Structure. That is the thing that God is building. So God uses different materials than you would think to build. Yeah, or prefer, honestly. Yeah, 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 for sure. So what does that say? 1 Corinthians 3.12. Yeah, verse 12 says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. I don't know about y'all, but I would like to be built with gold and silver, but it says, it also mentions wood and hay. Like, I'm like, wait a second, what's that all about? You know what I'm saying? Who's gonna build with hay? Like, I'm, I don't have to mix bricks or something like that, but... In this, it is unique what God does. God uses different materials than we would prefer. God uses wilderness to build our foundation. He uses heartache to push you back into God. And God even uses thorns. Right. Before we get into that, we know that, um, so there is a wood in the Bible that shows up. And everybody say, acacia wood. Acacia wood. Acacia wood. Now, this is the definition. I think we have a picture of it. Acacia wood, the hardest of all hardwoods, characterized by high density, resilience, it's covered in thorns. This wood is, you know, in the continent of Africa in different areas. So these, this is the tree. Let's go to the next picture. Um, that's it up close. Now what's unique is that we all know that thorns hurt and thorns are a difficult thing, right? But whenever you look in the Bible, what's wild, and this is, from, this is from a biblical scholar, what they believe is that the bush 
in which God showed himself to with Moses was an acacia tree. It was in the midst of the thorns. God's presence will be in the midst of your thorns. It was on fire and it wasn't consumed. The thorns that we try to pray away, it was an acacia tree. In the middle of the thorns, the things that we go, I wish this wasn't in my life. I wish this, in fact, the apostle Paul even labeled it a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what it was, but some of you in this room, a thorn in your flesh, it could be a person, it could be a relationship, it could be a habit, it could be an addiction. It could be something that you go, I wish this would go away. And if God doesn't remove it, God is going to use it. Because the thorn, he said, the reason why it's not being removed is because my grace is sufficient. So the very thorns, God's presence shows up in the thorns and it actually pushes you in to God's grace. Because without him, we'd be like filling ourselves. We'd be like, you know what? I can do this on my own. This is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps sermon. This is not even a coping sermon. This is a faith sermon of being like with the thorns that are in your life, God is actually pushing you back into the grace of God of saying, my grace is sufficient for you. So if I don't remove it, I'm gonna use it. What's unique is with the structure, God builds with this. So that is where God's presence shows up. Then in the temple, in Exodus, he actually says, this is the only other time, it says, to build the temple. I want the pillars built out of acacia tree. The temple that housed the presence of God, the pillars that held everything up were built out of the thorn tree. The pillars, I'm sorry, the rods that held the Ark of the Covenant were also built with acacia wood, the thorn tree. The thing that held the presence of God was the thorns. And what's unique is that we know, has anyone ever heard of the term, the Rose of Sharon? The Rose of Sharon, Pastor Ty, the theologian. Pastor Ty, who is the Rose of Sharon? Jesus, every rose has a thorn. Jesus is literally a thorn and a rose. And it's sometimes the thing that we try to pray away. But there is something that is beautiful about that because God transforms through the thorns in our life, the things that we try to pray away. And with that, you know, I, I think about where we're at with victory. Victory's been around for how long? Over 40 years now. Victory's been around for 40 years. We have our share of thorns. <laughs> Over 40 years, how anyone, has anyone been married for a long time or has been alive for a long time or has even been around victory for a long time, you realize that there's thorns, right? Yeah. I know I have them, but what God does is in that, he does something very beautiful with the things that we're like, man, I wish this would just go away. He's like, that's actually where I'm gonna build the presence of God. And then the last thing is, this is our last point, is the keys, right. Verse 13, it says, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. Fire does what? Reveals. Okay. Fire will show if a person's work has any value. So fire reveals and fire shows the value. Right. So fire refines, tests, and ultimately perfects and finishes. It finishes God's authority. What is really unique is about 
Whenever you build a building, Pastor Paul has utilized the sermon called the master key. Has anyone ever heard of that, the sermon, the master key, right? Where he talks about, he was trying to find, um, you know, a way into the sanctuary. It was after my dad had passed and it was very sad and he realized that he had the master key all along. What's unique is that in the fire, it actually, there is a, what this scripture is talking about, how the fire actually shows if it has, if it, it takes everything away. Mm-hmm. So there are certain things in our life. And has anyone ever felt like they've gone through hell on earth? Okay. Anyone online? Raise your hand. Okay. So if, if you feel like you've ever gone through hell on earth, the one thing, a lesson that I learned from Jesus is that if you're going through hell, you might as well rob it on the way out. Jesus went to hell and took the keys. Keys represent power and authority. Right. Some of you are walking through hell and I'm asking you to stop it complaining about the flames and rob that place. My mom would bake fish and there was a lots of bones in it. I don't know if she was trying to save money and she bought really bad fish or whatever. But she would say this, she'd be, John, and I go, mom, are they, what are, what's going on? Are you trying to assassinate us? Like there's bones in this. Or we keep on, she goes, chew the meat, spit out the bone. And th- that's a term that when you're going through something, chewing the meat and spit out the bone is that there are certain times in our life whenever we are going through hell. But did you know the key to the next version of you is in that hell season? God is trying to do something in you. Again, God did not send it. And this is not to have you coping. This is where authority comes from. Jesus went to hell and took the keys of death and the grave. The thing that threatens our lives, the thing that has threatened our kids, the thing that has threatened everything that we are in life. He took those keys and it says that the same resurrection power lives in you and lives in me when we are born again believers. So that means that if you're going through hell, you can say, wait, Jesus took the keys. That means that the keys are here somewhere. And so what am I going through and what is God trying to show me that is going to unlock this next season in my life? Many of you are on the verge of being in that next season of life is that God will use the hell that you've been through to bring heaven through you. On your way out of hell, you might as well rob the place. Might as well rob the place, absolutely. Yeah, every negative experience, every difficult season, every God, why? You can sit there and ask why, why, why? And when will this be over? And when will this be over? But a time in in my life like that, I remember saying, God, when will this season end? When will all this testing and trial end? And it was as though the Lord spoke to me and said, as long as you're asking me when it ends, it's a long ways away. It's a long ways away. Why? Because fire is inevitable, but authority is optional. You get to decide if the fire that comes at you refines you and prepares you for the next season or if it actually demotes you into the season you're in. I know a lot of people who the entirety of their Christian life, their Christian experience is just that season over and over and over, like a college student who never graduates. What's the use of textbooks? What's the use of all that stuff if there's never anything that's gonna be applicable? The purpose of those seasons is not punishment, it is actually a promotion. 
that the fire prepares you, that you say, I can actually steward authority like Jesus did. They said, oh wow, Jesus teaches, and he doesn't teach like those guys over there, he actually has authority. By the way, how insulting, can you imagine being the Pharisee, you've done all the schoolwork, you've done all the degrees, the PhDs, and they go, yeah, no, he's the one who actually has authority, because he was the one who could steward it correctly because he had gone through the wilderness. He had gone through the structure God wanted to create. He had capacity for what God wanted to create in him and through him. Before God builds a house through you for others, he will build a house for himself in you. If you skip that step, if you skip that step, you will not be able to handle everything he wants to do for others. You'll resent those you help and you'll Mm. resent those who don't help you. And then you'll be isolated, you'll be cut off from community, you'll get bitter, you'll reject people, you'll feel rejected by people, and next thing you know, church is actually a hassle. The enemy wants that for you. What God wants for you instead is to say, let me place a, a base in you for what I'm trying to do outside of you. Let me say it like this as we close. You can't get anywhere on a flight without an airport. Now imagine if I said, Let's go from Tulsa to China. Imagine if there wasn't an airport and God goes, okay, great. I will empower you to go to China. And you go, okay, great. Let's do this. You show up to the day. You show up for the site. And God goes, okay, let's get to building. A year goes by and you're like, I'm still in Tulsa. I'm still single. I'm still this. I'm still not in that job that I wanted. I'm still not in that season that I wanted. And God's going, yeah, we're trying to build this first so that together we can go, and also everyone else can too. Everyone else can too. Let me say it like this. In the wilderness, Jesus says, I'm not going to live on what man says. I'm not gonna manipulate my gift to turn stones into bread. But look at the relationship of Jesus with bread throughout the rest of his life. Later on, the disciples see that they don't have any bread. They go, let's go get some bread. They come back with bread, and in the meantime, what Jesus has done is minister to a woman at the well. Do you remember this story? And he goes, actually, I have food you don't know about. Where did he get that food? In the wilderness. At the end of his life, Jesus comes out of a grave that had never belonged to anybody else. Joseph of Arimathea had bought this new grave out of stone, and then Jesus, the bread of life, walks out of that stone. In other words, he turned stones into bread for all humanity, not just for himself. What God will do through you is not just for you. It is for everyone around you. It is that I actually want everyone to eat. I want everyone to win. I want everyone's dream to happen. I want everyone to do well. That's the kingdom of God. Without that perspective, church will be the most torturous and excruciating pursuit of your life. So what God's doing in you is he's preparing you to create an environment for other people to encounter him. Before he builds a house through you for others, he will build a house for himself within you. Amen, Pastor John.